Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Monday, April 3rd, 2023. I am Dave Biddle. Very happy to be joined by Steve Hellwagon. Man, a lot of good stuff to get into today, Steve. We're going to talk Ohio State recruiting, two major developments on the recruiting front for the Buckeyes, and then the scrimmage on Saturday was open to us. The entire, well, almost the entire practice was open to us. The last hour and a half of the two-hour practice was open to us, and they had at least three or four periods where they did live scrimmaging, everybody except the quarterback's live we're going to get into that um let's start with james peoples to ohio state steve the number five running back in the country pick the buckeyes and you know 510 192 kid out of san antonio texas i love this bit um number 69 player in the country according to in-house 24 7 sports rankings he's number 94 overall in the country according to 24 7 sports composite great get for tony alford and the buckeyes getting james peoples in this class as the running back yeah, just, uh, again, uh, phenomenal uh, verbal for Ohio State uh, yesterday. Um, Bill Curlick had been in touch with me earlier in the day and said it looked like it was a possibility and to kind of keep uh, all eyes and ears open for that. And, uh, you know, again, they had a, a great recruiting weekend. They had guys in from all over the country to come to that practice and spend the day on campus, get the tour, the talk, Spend time with Mickey Marotti. This is what we do in the, the weight room and everything, just the full presentation. And, uh, you know, I think that there'd been some thought that when uh, Jordan Marshall uh, from Cincinnati had committed to Michigan, that uh, I think there was some panic. I think, first of all, hey, we're losing a great uh, running back from Ohio to Michigan. And secondly, uh, who's going to play running back at Ohio State? But I think the people kind of privately in the know, there was an undercurrent saying, ah, don't worry about that because they are in really good shape on peoples. And uh, they are also in really good shape on another running back as well to add to this class. So uh, for me, peoples uh, just kind of going over some of what uh, our observations have been of him, uh, just speed, just a, a, a speedy guy, probably in that Curtis Samuel uh, type, uh, mold. I don't know that uh, he is the same type of explosive player Travion Henderson can be when he's healthy, but uh, maybe in that realm as well. He's not a big back like uh, uh, 
Ezekiel Elliott or the, that type of guy, a thumper, but uh, he is uh, his speed is just uh, kind of his calling card, I guess. I would think he'll end up in the 205 range. Yep. I don't know that he'll get up to 210, possibly. And I think that'll help him in the Big Ten, certainly, because it's such a, a rugged league, no doubt, and uh, such a such a, a a tough place a tough place for running backs to play. We were watching them run the football in two scrimmages that they've had, and uh, there were some plays that were made running the football, but a lot of times it ends with a two yard gain and you know very physical play. So uh, it it's tough to run the football in the Big Ten anymore, and I think that. Uh, this is a guy that, that could definitely help him down the line. You figure you're going to lose Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams after this season. So uh, he'll be a guy that uh, comes in next year and uh, and can help him. And I think Sam Williams-Dixon is that other guy that uh, we've talked a little bit about. Uh, he's, he comes in from uh, Millersburg West Holmes, uh, Amish country. He's going to play his senior year at Pick North. And uh He's a guy I think that the Buckeyes are in on as well at that running back position. would be great to, to lose two, you know, Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams, but replace them with two uh, national top 100 players would be uh, great. And I think that, uh, you know, people's – and I could be off on Williams-Dixon. He may not be exactly in the top 100, but uh, people's uh, definitely is. And, uh, you know, I think he's he's going he's gonna to do a, a, an outstanding job at Ohio State. I don't have any doubt about that. Well, the good thing about Sam Williams Dixon is I know that uh, Mark Porter loves him, and that that that's all I need to know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's, the good uh, housekeeping seal of approval. Right, like right now he's like severely underrated because, as you mentioned, like he um, you know was playing against very, very, very uh, weak competition. I mean, he absolutely dominated. I mean, he just doesn't get tackled as as Mark Porter and Bill Curlick were telling me um, when I filled in for Dan Rubin on one of the Thursday podcasts. And now I love that he's playing for Pick Central, going to play for Pick Central. So that that'll be out the window of the competition, but. Yeah, and from my understanding, um, uh, Peoples knows that they're going to ha- have two backs in this class, and he's fine with it. So this this all works out really well. Like Sam Williams-Dixon, three-star right now, but severely underrated according to our Ohio experts like Mark Porter and Bill Curley. Well, Bill Curley's just an Ohio State football expert, period. But Mark Porter knows the talent in Ohio better than anybody, anybody that's walking the face of this earth. And if he says Sam Williams-Dixon is absolutely Ohio State caliber, I believe him. And then I love getting a speed guy in um, – in uh, people so great stuff there all right uh moving right along more good news i think i will find out see if you, is it coming in the air tonight no it's not coming in the air tonight phil collins but it might be coming in the air saturday and air nolan got his offer the number seven quarterback in the nation visited ohio state it was kind of you know everybody figured he would get his offer ryan day kind of has a policy that you know he needs to see you throw in person before he offers you uh, Aaron Nolan came to Ohio State, got his offer, number seven quarterback in the nation. Play, again, I love that Peoples plays against top competition in San Antonio, Texas. I love that um, that um, man, Aaron Nolan plays against top competition in Fairburn, Georgia. Georgia's just dripping with talent, as we all know. So he's going to decide on Saturday, Steve. Do you think he's going to be a Buckeye? Man, that's a tough one. Uh, they definitely have an opening in that 2024 class, and he would be – uh, just a tremendous get. Uh, I'm looking at his page here on 24-7 Sports. I see Arkansas, Clemson, Miami of Florida, Ohio State, Oregon. They are all listed as warm. Mm-hmm. Let me see if I'm missing anybody else. Of note. There's six that are listed, yep. yep. So there's another. Oh, there are six. 
and my dogs are starting to freak out here. Sorry. Uh, Texas A&M is the other one. So that's a, that's a pretty good group of, of six schools. Uh, I'm going to ignore the dogs. They'll calm down here. Just this is a like a shout out to our, our the late great Dwayne Long. I must say, I'm getting a little, I'm getting a little, uh, a little misty in here because when, when we used to have Dwayne on the show, you couldn't have Dwayne on the show without his dogs barking. So I think it's a nice backdrop. Go ahead, Steve. Nice memory. Yeah, 6'3", 195 pounds, class of twenty, class of twenty twenty four, and uh, ranked number fifty five overall in the class for twenty twenty four. Number seven at quarterback. So uh, if they could land him, you know, he just had a, a presence standing there the other day at practice and was really in tune. Really watched every rep. I mean, he was standing right there. Uh, you know, he could see himself perhaps as that guy down the line for the Buckeyes. Uh, obviously, we know that uh, Michigan picked up a huge quarterback commitment over the weekend with Jaden Davis. The Buckeyes had been involved with him, and uh, he's out of North Carolina, number 28 prospect overall. So, uh, again, two national top 100 quarterbacks, one going to Michigan, potentially the other to Ohio State. I guess we'll wait and see, uh, you know, what happens with it. But uh, as of right now, uh, you got to like Ohio State's chances right there in the mix for Aaron Nolan. I love it. Yeah, I, I should have asked Bill Curlick before we came on live, but I'll be surprised if, if Aaron Nolan doesn't pick Ohio State. It's a perfect place for a quarterback to get developed, in my opinion. And then last time I checked, they were they recruit pretty well at the wide receiver positions. So you're probably going to have some good wideouts to throw to. It's my little joke. Um, yeah, um, him watching Darnell Tate had to make him really excited to know yeah. that. Nice, you know. segue, nice segue, Steve. Now we're going to talk about the scrimmage. Boy, they, they were talking up these true freshman receivers, and I love the class when they signed them. And Brandon Ennis isn't even here yet. And then they're talking about, like, even during winter workouts, all guys like Carnell Tate and Noah Rogers and Bryson Rogers, but I think more so Carnell Tate and uh, Noah Rogers just look like they are ready to go. And, and we saw it ourselves at the scrimmage on Saturday, Steve. The defense won. We'll get to that in a moment. But, man, Carnell Tate was the star of the scrimmage. Every time I turned around, it seemed like he was – Number 17 was making a big play. I didn't see him drop anything. Igbenosin had a good pass breakup to knock a ball out of his hands, but that was a, just a nice play by Igbenosin who played really well. Carnell Tate was a dude on Saturday, Steve. Yeah, I think the play of the scrimmage, I got a photo of it. Uh, I just happened to be standing right where it happened. Uh, it was uh, Kyle McCord threw a back shoulder throw out of bounds to – uh, Carnell Tate right in front of where you were sta standing there on that sideline. And I just happened, my, my camera somehow got in focus and he's like 10 feet from me. And I got this photo nice. and then I got one of him going down to the ground, completing the catch. And that was to me, that showed that McCord could make that throw where only his guy can get it. And it was one of probably five spectacular plays that Carnell Tate made uh, during the day. And uh, Carnell Tate uh, is next. He is he is the next man up, as they say, as of right now. And again, you have to stack one day on top of another, as Ryan Day talks about. But uh, Carnell Tate right now looks has the look and feel of somebody who's going to be a really good player at Ohio State. Uh, they've got him listed at 6'2", 191. Uh, he played last year at IMG Academies from Chicago originally. And uh, there have been no, no, uh, no yellow lights where uh, Carnell Tate's been concerned. Nothing that, that needs to concern you, it seems, at this point 
He looks like he is being primed to be a, a really good player. And I would presume he would be on the field, uh, you know, maybe 20, 25 plays a game uh, this fall, given the fact that Ohio State's so deep at wide receiver. But uh, this is a guy you cannot you cannot deny this kid. He uh, he looks – excuse me, he looks like he's going to be a really good one. Here's the thing, though. I'll, I'll, I'll push back on that a little bit. He absolutely, if he needed to play this year, I have no doubt would play well. But here's yeah, the thing. Martin agree. Harrison Jr. to me two years ago looked like he could play right away if he needed to, yeah. right? And yeah. I, I bet he could have. And Marvin Harrison Jr. might be the best that's come through here, and that's saying a monumental amount. If not, he's going to be one of the best, which is still saying a monumental amount. And, yeah. Steve, as we all know, as a true freshman, Marvin Harrison Jr. didn't play until the Rose Bowl – Obviously played great in the Rose Bowl with three touchdowns. Had his breakout performance over 100 yards, I believe, too. But he wouldn't have even had that role if Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave didn't sit out. So if you're Carnell Tate this year and Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Buka stay healthy, you also have Julian Fleming, Xavier Johnson, Jaden Ballard. I don't know if he's going to have a big role. As great as he looks, as Marvin Harrison Jr. looked great to me two years ago, didn't have a big role to the Rose Bowl. Well, I think that they can subtly, however you say that, subtly. I hope so. uh, Not suddenly, but subtly figure out a way to get him some game reps if need be and uh, not necessarily take away from those veterans who are also deserving. And, uh, again, it's consistency. It is the, uh, the, the overtime. Can you do it? Do you do it every day? And uh, he looks like he's got the look of a guy that that's going to be a, a solid two-year starter at Ohio State. I think one thought that I had about the passing game, this is two scrimmages we've been to, and I haven't seen a live ball turnover yet. Uh, what I saw was one sliding interception Igbenison. by Igbenison on a seven-on-seven yeah. seven pass by Kyle McCord that was just off a little bit. And he slid in there. And then, of course, he stands up and starts to run it back. Well, in the background of my photo, you see the official running in like this. Like, <laughs> this is not the down. Story, buddy. I mean, they haven't, these guys haven't thrown a ball that someone's picked off and said, I'm taking it to the house. That hasn't happened yet. And I think, I mean, because it hasn't happened, people haven't talked about it. But because it hasn't happened, we need to talk about it. These guys are playing great. In my opinion, so far, when they're given time, which I think is something we need to also touch Let's get into on. that. Yeah. So here's and then here's I'll say this about so there's two things there. So yes, I also think if the quarterbacks were live, first of all, that would yeah. help them make more plays because instead of getting a fingertip on them, just to be clear for everybody out there, I think most know this listening and watching, but at the scrimmage, everybody's live except the quarterback. So if I'm a defender and Steve's the quarterback and I get a fingertip on him, Steve's down. Whereas normally Steve could like move in the pocket, you know, Kyle McCord, Devin Brown could move in the pocket. Somebody brushes them. They just brush that off and then they make the play also. So that would help the quarterbacks make more plays. It would also, if the defensive linemen and linebackers weren't getting sacks, we'll talk more about that. Um, all the sacks we saw, I think that would lead to more of what you're talking about then Steve, then quarterbacks would be throwing more balls because more plays would be alive and not blown dead by a sack. And then they would be throwing more interceptions in theory. We won't know because we'll never know. But so there were a ton of sacks. What do you make of that? Was it because they could get their fingertips on the quarterback and he's down? Was it the defensive line just dominating the offensive line somewhere in between? Because every every time it was like every other play, the announcer was like, sack. (laughs) Um, So you could look at that two ways. I mean, 
How do you look at it? Yeah, I think that uh, the defensive line is is playing really good football right now. And it wasn't even blitz pressure. It was the defensive line that was getting home. Mike Hall, Tyleek Williams, Kenyatta Jackson continues to do very well. JT Tui Malowau. Yeah. I'm just going through the whole list of guys that I had written down as sacks. Uh, Ty Hamilton, defensive tackle, collapsing the pocket. 92, Caden Curry coming off the edge. Um Boy, Kenyatta Jackson looks like straight out of central casting for an edge rusher, doesn't he? He and does. I like, I like Caden Curry a lot, too. And those are the backups. Those oh, are the backups. Those are the second-team DNs is Caden Curry and Kenyatta Jackson. And Kenyatta yeah. Jackson Jr., all he needed to do was bulk up, and he has. He's 17 pounds heavier than last year and looks just as quick, maybe quicker. Dare yeah, it, it's really – it's good weight, and he's putting it to good use. He is uh, – I mean, that's seven or eight sacks right there out of maybe 60 plays, 70 plays, that's not a good ratio, I think, for the offense. <laughs> uh, they didn't have Zim, Zim Mahalski, so he wasn't there. Tegra Toshbola was repping at right tackle, and I'm not putting all this at his feet. I think Josh Fryer got beat for a couple of these as well. Uh, I think that some of them were on the backups, but again – uh, it's that push pull, you know, the defense makes a play, you can get excited, but it's a, it's a black mark for the offense that they weren't able to protect the quarterback. I think in the fall, you're not going to have these kind of uh, issues. They're going to shore things up. And this was a good, good scrimmage to have on tape because they can go back. There's no reason not to show up tomorrow for practice and, and get right back into it and, and work on, uh, all those pass rushing, uh, pass blocking drills that they do, uh, they spend so much time on it with technique and uh, taking the proper first step. I mean, they start, it's you against a fellow offensive lineman and all you're doing is taking two steps. I mean, every day it is so intricate, the amount of work that they put in on proper technique uh, to uh, pass protect and I don't have any doubt that it's going to all work out. It's just right now they've got a lot of work to do. So, and you're bringing a lot of young guys along. Uh, I think there were some young guys that were in the two deep, as we said, because Zin Mahalski wasn't there. And so, you know, and I don't know how serious the injury is. Uh, Coach Day said that they hope to get him back before the end of the spring. Uh, Jihad Carter, the safety, he left with some type of an apparent knee injury. Mm -hmm. And uh, I guess we'll wait and see uh, how soon he can get back. But, uh, you know, uh, they're midway through the spring. They've still got six or seven practices before the spring game on April the 15th at Ohio Stadium. So uh, a lot still to work on. I mentioned it a little bit earlier. I mean, Igben Nosen looks really good to me, the Ole Miss transfer. And this kid has a great attitude. We got to meet him on Thursday. I mean, if, if people um, – if you if you watch that interview with Davis and Igben Nosen and, and don't fall in love with him and you're a Buckeye fan, I you know, I dare you to watch that interview and not fall in love with him. This kid has a great attitude. Um, and, you know, he's he's a tall, lanky corner, 6'2", 187, but he's tough. They talk about how he looked like a good tackler. They were doing this really cool one-on-one -on -one open field tackling drill. He looked great in that. By the way, Josh Proctor did not look good in that. He whiffed a couple times on the star of the day, Carnell Tate. Even before they started scrimmaging, Carnell Tate was making people look bad. But, um, yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens, Steve. I really like um, I really like the corners. Um, Denzel Burke's looking good to me. Jordan Hancock looks solid. But Igbenosan looks absolutely like he is going to be a stud here. Um, 
mentioned, and he knows his, he grew up an Ohio State fan. Was talking about how he he, he loves Jeff Okuda and Denzel Ward. Absolutely love it. All right. Oh, and by the way, you mentioned the second team offensive line and Zen Mahalski being out. So poor Miles Walker's out there running with the twos at left tackle, um, trying to <laughs> trying to block the likes of or was it right tackle? Yeah, he was right tackle because Fitzpatrick was at left tackle. Fitzpatrick was solid at times. But poor Miles Walker running with the twos at right tackle, trying to go up against guys like Kenyatta Jackson and Caden Curry. Not a fair fight. All right, a couple more questions. These are from Twitter listeners that I wanted to get or Twitter readers I wanted to get to. Um, there's been a lot of questions about Jaden Ballard. You know, and he looks good and he's very talented. And he can take the top off the defense. The thing is, Steve, and I keep saying, like, Brian Hartline has proven if you're not in that top four, you're not going to play. So he needs to beat out either Julian Fleming or Xavier Johnson, really a Julian Fleming because he plays a different spot than, than X. Because Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Ibuka are going to play a lot. And he's got guys like Carnell Tate nipping at his heels. How much do you think, if everybody stays healthy, relatively speaking, do you think Jaden Ballard's going to have a relatively big role this year? Or do you think he's going to be kind of that man on that that's kind of on the outside looking in only plays during really garbage time? No, I think he'll have some, some primetime reps. I think it could be a case where it's kind of drips and drabs for him, where one week he might get five catches for 100 yards with a big hit. And then you don't hear about him for a couple of weeks. And then he's back in there with four catches for 85 yards. And it could be that kind of a su support complementary role where some games it rolls his way and some games it doesn't. He only gets one catch or, you know, whatever. That's just the lay of the land in this offense and in this league going against these teams that some, some weeks it's going for him as not a guy who's going to play 45, 50 snaps. 60 snaps, it's going to be feast or famine for him. And I think that that's, that's probably what he's looking at. And that's how it has always been for that fourth guy, fifth guy, whatever, is that you're going to have a breakout game, but you may not be able to do it on a weekly basis because the number of reps just won't be there from one week to the next. So, uh, you know, I do would, I would think that if they get a big lead on some of these teams that they'll certainly have some of these other guys play. You, you walk that balance. You want Harrison to get his and Ibuka to get, you know, his. But when the score is 38 to three to start the third quarter or middle of the third quarter, you know, you, you need to get those guys out of harm's way and let some other people play. So uh, to me, uh, I think they're all going to play a role and we'll all be counted upon at some point. I mean, you think about Xavier Johnson last year, you know, Smith the Jigba went down and, and here's Xavier Johnson came out of nowhere, essentially. Uh, his name hadn't even really been brought up a whole lot, but uh, he uh, he really stepped forward when they needed him the most. He was there. So. Uh, that could be kind of the Ballard role where, you know, he has a, a big day here and then kind of a couple of weeks where he's just kind of in the shadows and then he has another big game. And, you know, I, he's got big playability. There's no doubt he could take the top off uh, if if given that chance. It's just how much how many of those opportunities is he going to get? Because Brian Hartline is not going to want to take Harrison or Buke off the field. I can tell you that. Yeah, right. Heartline's clear. He's like, if I'm taking, I say this all the time on the show, but it bears repeating. I love, cause I like this mantra. Um, Heartline's mantra is like, unless they're gassed, if I'm taking Marvin Harrison Jr. off the field, why am I taking him off the field? If you're not as good as him, like why, why, why am I putting you out there if you can't match what he does? So, and I like, I like that mantra. All right. Levi Smith um, asked this on Twitter and now is asked on YouTube. Um, I appreciate this question. I, I think it's a good one. He wants to know basically, um, Will Brian Hartline call a more physical game 
given the fact that he played for Jim Trestle. Get into that and also get into, are you, do you actually believe that Brian Hartland is going to be the play caller this fall? Or do you think Ryan Day is going to have a really tough time actually giving that up when the actual games start? Hmm. You know, this is what I think. I think that they are going to sit in that conference room all week and they're going to come up with down and distance, a list of X plays, 10, 15 plays for every down and distance situation. Like they always do every week, say this will work up their defense will not allow us to do this and come up with what they think are the best plays for each week as a group. And then when they get into the game, I think to start the season, it'll be Heartline. I just think that uh, I don't want to say Day has divorced himself from that, but I think Day has realized that there are there is so much going on with, with you want to win the national championship, you have actually – got to recruit 365 days out of the year and you got to help supervise the defense 365 days out of the year and help supervise the offense and special teams 365 days a year. You just can't specialize. I think he's tried it his way and they've come up short three times. I mean, and NIL been- and the portal and all this other and the NIL and the portal. All exactly. this stuff he has to deal with. I mean, it's crazy. Yes. Go ahead. Yeah. There's, you, you make perfect point that there's so much on his plate that just to pigeonhole himself as the play caller of the offense takes him away from managing the program. They tried it his way. He's tried it his way. I think this is him coming to the realization that, you know, first of all, he knew he was losing Wilson and Wilson would have been the guy to turn it over to. And he said that before they ever elevated Brian Hartline uh, to be the offensive coordinator. So he must believe in Brian Hartline because he knew he was losing Wilson. And he said, I'm giving this up to Kirk Herbstreet and back before the Peach Bowl. And that means he knew he was giving it to Brian Hartline at that point. And it just took a few weeks for it to come together. But uh, he has faith in Brian Hartline is what that tells me. That whole chronology tells me he knew it was going to be Brian Hartline and he has faith in what Brian Hartline could do. It sounds to me like, on those headsets, Brian Hartline for the last two or three years has been very vocal about, you know, as they're getting ready to run the play, uh, coaches like, what are we thinking next? And Hartline's apparently had some pretty good suggestions because uh, and maybe they've taken advantage of them because, you know, I can't imagine he'd get this shot just sight unseen. So I think you got to let it work and play out. If they get five games into this and it's not working, you can always change it. You can always go back, but um, to me, uh, what I've seen so far, Day's divorced from it. Uh, it's Hartline and Fry are the two primary guys on the headphones with, um, you know, the GAs and the backup quarterbacks doing the signaling and everything, and that's that's the brain trust right now. I'm sure they all sat in that conference room and said, on Saturday when we do this scrimmage, Coach Day probably said, I want to see this, 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 and this. Mm-hmm. And then they sat down with that blueprint and they said, well, we're going to do this and this and this. And most of it was scripted, but uh, then they do what they call move it, which you can't script that because you don't know if you're going to get nine yards or 20 yards or a sack. And you got to call those plays in succession. It's not just every down is third down. So if, if people could go and see what I'm talking about, they'd understand what I'm talking about. When they get to what they call move it, you've got to call every play as it happens. So um, to me, 
I, I think Hardline's going to be fine in that role. And if Dave, if his last game was that Georgia game, boy, he called a hell of a game. He coached his ass off, I guess, until, the final, until the final three plays where they didn't get close enough for the field goal. But yeah. I, overall, they took a, a an amazing Georgia defense to school for most of that game. I would go back. The play that was killing Georgia all day was Ibuka on the drag route coming from left to right. And I would have rolled Stroud out and have him hit Ibuka on that. And they would have picked up eight yards. Like that. a little play action on it to maybe mix yes. in a little play action. They burned them all day on that play. Right. Yeah, fake the run. And, and then uh, could have ran if, he, if, if somebody was on a, a – that's a great call. And then if somebody is on a Buka, then Stroud yeah, – he's got the run, run pass option. Yeah. Yes. And until the Georgia game, we never would have said that Stroud would run. But then yeah. then he, he, he ran. He did something called run the football. They game. were this close to winning the national championship. Close. This close. That close. That close. All right. All right, great stuff out of Steve Hellwagon. Thank you very much. Thanks to all the listeners out there. Seems like we had a pretty big audience today. I appreciate you guys very much. Two plugs. Your morning. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, doing a chat tonight on the front row. So if you got more questions, post them on the front row message board. And after 830, I'll be in during the national championship game, which is tonight. Dave, who you got? Uh, San Diego I got, State. I, I, got a, I got a little bit of the coin on uh, UConn. So I got them. Uh, Dave. They've run a rampage through this tournament. Like uh, they're the story of this tournament right now. That that and San Diego State's defense are the uh, the two stories, I think. And uh, I I'm not. I, I would say UConn. I guess uh, I don't know what the line is. Is it four it's or five? Like eight. Points? It might be down to eight. seven and a half. I've seen it started at it opened at six, went to eight. It might be seven and a half now. I'm I'm going to stay away from that. I think UConn's going to win. I already have my bet in. My bet was made before the final four. I got a futures bet on UConn to win. So it wasn't yeah. like I did it before the tournament. That would have been nice, but um, yeah. I still got pretty good odds going into the final four. Um, yeah. So I might I might stay away from the point spread. That's that's a little high, especially for a team that likes to muck up the game like San Diego State. I could see San Diego San Diego State covering, but UConn winning, and I could see UConn blowing them out. I really can't. I mean, anything could happen. I, I mean, I could obviously foresee San Diego State winning. There's like a ten percent, fifteen percent chance, but I'm pretty sure UConn's going to win this game, but I'm not going to lay seven and a half or eight points. No way. Not against a defensive team. No. Yeah. So the chat is tonight, uh, 830. Post any questions on Ohio State and Big Ten football, basketball, and recruiting. And then tomorrow at 11 a.m., we do our live weekly webcast, Ohio State Buckeyes Live with Mark Rogers TV. And uh, we'll be breaking down the scrimmage for a full hour tomorrow on that show. So tune in for that. Yeah, you guys do a great job on there. I always enjoy watching you guys on uh, the Mark Rogers um, channel. He does a great job, the voice of college football channel. So um, um, I always see my friends on there. I'll be on YouTube, you know, maybe checking out some stuff on YouTube, and I'll just see that, – that'll pop up, and sometimes I'll, I'll jump in there and listen to you guys a little bit. Um, all right. Appreciate you guys rolling with us. Um, I'm Dave Biddle. He's Steve Hellwagon. Thanks again to all of you. Hope everyone has a great rest of your day. Hello everyone, it's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on 
It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Weeks. Big Weeks. 